Praise God. The Lord is good. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're so thankful today. We're thankful for your goodness and grace. We're thankful for your presence in this place. We thank you for the gifts of God. Thank you for the ministering spirits, the angels that are all around. We thank you for the glory of your presence. We thank you your will can be known, your will can be seen, your plan can be experienced. None of us have to fall short. None of us have to miss out, even though we've at times missed it in times past. We thank you, Lord, that because of your mercy and, and grace and your sustaining power, Lord, because you're able to uh, speed things up in these last days, you're, you enable us to do more in less time, to accomplish more with what might seem less on our side. Lord, we trust in you, and you're carrying us through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for working it out in our hearts and lives today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you even for those who have need of things, those who have need in their life. You are the great need meter. And so, Lord, this is an opportunity for you to show yourself strong. Lord, be glorified as needs are met. Be magnified as dire circumstances change, as impossible situations turn around. Thank you, Lord. Be glorified in that, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, something that's in my heart that seems to be connected with uh, where, we, where we have been Really, I don't know if you see the, the vein, but even the last couple weeks in these services, and, uh, and again, I only know that when the Lord stirs me a certain way, it's because there's those in present tense circumstances that involve that. Sometimes also, though, He's preparing us for what He sees that we don't see that is to come. And, and, and one of those areas this primarily has to do with us being strengthened us being um, sustained and able to stand in the middle of whatever being able to handle whatever is coming against us and and like I shared with you before there are times in God's grace and because of His mercy and in a corporate gathering of the body of Christ where, uh, where we are definitely benefiting from the faith, from the anointing that is on the lives of others and on the lives of us as a whole. But the other side to that is, I don't live with you. you don't li- we don't live with each other. We... Uh, you know, if you have a Christian family, praise God for that. But you know what I mean? We don't necessarily have the body of Christ surrounding us at all times. And what do we do? Many people are being sustained more than they know because of those around them. And although that's a positive, I don't think it's ideal that we be limited to that. People are being sustained by the faith of some, by sometimes by the, the faith of their leaders, those who lead them in spiritual things, sometimes more than they realize. And again, that's not a bad thing, but it shouldn't be that we are okay with that being the normal, the normal way for our lives. And I don't mean because we plan on separating from the, the body, the family, from leaders, from other things like that. No, but we should always be ready and able to stand on our own, feed ourselves, to lift ourselves. In, like David did, he strengthened and encouraged himself in the Lord. And we should not only know how, we should actually do this. So that, so that we become one of the sustainers when it comes to others. There will always be those in need. There will be always be those who need a hand up. 
All right? If that's you, praise God. There are those to give you a hand up. But it should be our goal to be the one giving the hand up. Amen? And so we should, uh, we should seek to be able to find uh, just a natural way of living where we, we know what to do when the attack comes, when the challenges come. We know what to do individually. Someone's around us, more the merrier. But if someone's not there, we can do this. Because how many understand we're never alone? And again and again, we're reminded that He is our help, that He is our strength, that He will never leave us. Amen? Praise God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And let's just stay with this a little bit longer until we're done. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I believe that what's happening here is, again, it is a divine grace deposit. God's grace will sustain. God's grace is something that resides in us. It's His ability. And so when you drive down the road, there it is. When you go home and somebody yells at you, (laughs) there it is. Because how many know you can't cast people out? (laughs) And you can't cast flesh out. (laughs) Just like you can't cast calories out. There's some things, and we believe in a casting. (laughs) We believe in authority in Jesus' name. But there are some things that that's not how it works. It is about having a knowledge of and a deposit of God's grace and ability inside you. And that causes you to rise up strong. And to where normally or in a previous situation you would be overcome by that circumstance or that person that is uh, coming against you. No, but in this situation you are literally sustained by God. And you can know this. It's not uncommon when people um, go through a, the, the loss of a, of a loved one. It's not for a, for a Christian now. It's not uncommon for them to testify of saying that God's presence and comfort and help was just so very tangible and real to them. I don't know how many people have told me that over the years. That it's not, they, they, they recognize it's not just you know, something I believe or something I accept in theory or something like that, but they recognize God literally, man, I could tell He was sustaining and helping and encouraging me, all right? And if that's true in those situations, I tell you what, that's true. It can be true in all of our lives. Amen. Let's see, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. All right, now we don't know exactly what Paul's writing about here because he had a number of situations that kind of fit in this scenario. (laughs) You know, like when he got stoned and left for dead and, you know, there's shipwrecks and he was beaten and whipped and all kinds of not fun stuff, all right? But this is describing, I think, one of those, <laughs> those situations that we do have record of. He said, man, this was heavy duty. He said, we thought we were going to die. <laughs> so if you've ever felt like, ooh, well, he did. Uh, he said, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. In other words, that was part of his solution right there, is they had something in themselves that said, we are dead to this. We are dead to the flesh, and we are dead to, uh, that's not really what matters in us. They had their sights on greater things, and, and that also, as he said here, trust in God who raises the dead. Notice how he describes God, verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Uh, that's all encompassing right there. (laughs) He did, he does, and he will. 
Does that cover our lives? That covers everything. What's God going to do about my past? He is the God of the past. Relieving us, you know, delivering us, setting us free from our past. He is the God of the present. Amen. That means whatever it is that's going on today, He is my help. He is my deliverer. He is my strength. He empowers me today that I am going to make it through. Amen. Well, what about tomorrow? Because I don't know what's coming tomorrow. Man, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen next month. I don't know what's going to happen next year. Well, I don't either. But you know what I know? I know that when I get there, God will be there. And His character and nature will still be the same. He will be my deliverer. Yeah. So if ever you feel like you get blindsided, man, where in the world did that come from? I didn't even see that coming. God did. Huh? And what, 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 so what good is that? He is your deliverer. That means before you even got there, he had already planned a way out. He already built a back door into that thing. So when you go, oh, what is this going on? Start looking now. Because he has made a way of escape. He has provided an out for you. He is your deliverer. In every situation, and nothing takes him by surprise. <laughs> no situation has caught him off guard. You have never walked into something where God, go, where, where God said, junk. I, I never thought of this one. <laughs> I, I never imagined. No. Man, God's been planning stuff for a long time. We know, you know the whole plan of salvation with Jesus being our Redeemer was a lengthy plan. We sometimes in spirit-filled circles, we value inspiration of the moment, <laughs> right? Like these services and, you know, and, you know, inspired prophecy for all of a sudden there it is. And that's all biblical and good and godly. But, you know, God's a planner too. He planned some stuff out, prophesied it, and it was going to happen like in a couple thousand years. <laughs> he had that all planned out. God is the thinker. <laughs> He's got a plan. And if he did for all those thousands of years for, of course, the most important event in history, uh, we know that he can plan next week for you <laughs> and next year. And we know that he has even before we showed up on, on planet Earth, before we, you know, came out of the womb, uh, that uh, he had a plan and a purpose for our lives. Did he know there would be some challenges to it? Of course, that's just part of it. Do you know what he also knew? He knew he was going to be our deliverer. Past, present, and future. He knew He would always be there for us. That His Word would never change. That He would remain the same. That His power would sustain in any situation and circumstance. And I can boldly stand up here be with the Word of God in my hand. The Spirit of God coming out of my mouth. And tell you God has a plan for you to make it. He has a plan for you to overcome. He has a plan for you to win and, 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 and accomplish much in your life. It doesn't matter what has been. He knew it was going to happen, and he still planned a way for things to work out. Amen? Well, what if we blew it? I think he calculated that in. <laughs> I have a feeling he knew. <laughs> I got a feeling he knew that he would call me and I wouldn't do it all right. That I wouldn't make it make 100% correct decisions. That I wouldn't be faithful to pray every time and, and do everything exactly right. He knew it. And he said, I'm going to just kind of work that into the equation. And there'll be enough grace and strength to sustain, cause you to win. Amen. <laughs> He's good. Look at Hebrews. Receive now encouragement from the Lord. Receive strength on the inside. Strength to carry on. Strength to continue. Everybody say continue. continue. It's a key word in, in walking with God. Continue. What do we mean? Keep going. Keep going. Now, now, now let me clarify. If you're on the wrong track, stop and turn around. <laughs> You know, you can take some of that to an extreme. I mean, if I'm going the wrong way, I need to stop and turn around and go a different way. But when you've got a scripture or you've got direction for your life, you keep going. 
All right? You keep going. You keep going. Expect to be blessed. Expect it to work out. Expect things to, you know, to, to ha- expect to have favor concerning the things you, that you're doing. Amen. When you're on the right track, keep going. Whereas I think sometimes the flesh will be on the wrong track and we'll keep pressing on. <laughs> or we're on the right track and we stop and question. If you're on the wrong track, you know, it's you button your head up against a wall and it's been going on for years and you're not making any progress. I just think wisdom says, stop. Stop. Because God wants you to go somewhere. Amen. Reevaluate. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 13 and verse 8. Everybody knows this one, right? Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. Isn't that good? I don't know about you, but that helps me to know that He's not changing. He's not changing based upon what I do or don't do. He's still the same. He'll always back up his word. He'll always be faithful to his promise. You know, the Bible said that about, about Sarah of the Old Testament, Abraham's, Abraham's wife. Sarah judged God faithful. She judged him faithful who promised. And that got her her answer, her miracle. That got, got her what, what, what she needed. How? She judged God the same. That when he says it one day, he doesn't change the next day. He doesn't say, oops. No, but what he promises, he will back up. He'll continue with that. Thank you, Lord. So what's he going to do for us? He's coming through. So we can, we can rest in that. We can bank our lives upon his faithful promise. That things are going to turn around and we're going to come up and we're going to come out. Amen. Praise God. Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Go slow while you're getting there. Take your time. Thank you, Lord. And so the Lord wants us to be strengthened again. But he wants us to know how, he wants us to know how to grab a hold of these things by ourselves. If no one else is around, if no one else is available, we can get it. We can grab a hold of it. We can benefit from what he has provided. Don't be one who relies upon, now understand my language, it's very specific. Don't be one who relies upon the prayer life of somebody else. We believe in praying for for each other, so you know I'm not saying that. But don't be one who continually relies upon everybody else praying for you. Every time there's a need, you immediately think, I've got to get everybody praying for me. Now, now listen, again, if if you do need others to pray for you, then that's where you are. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have others pray for me. I value the prayers of others. I'm trying to be balanced here. We're not opposed to that. We're for that. But I don't want to live my life to where the first thing I think whenever I've got a question, whenever I've got a problem, is I've got to call everybody to pray for me. Or I've got to Facebook my needs so everybody will pray. Most of them aren't praying anyway. They're just reading and scrolling by. (laughs) I've got to call, you know, a few years back it was all the, uh, all the prayer chains and prayer towers and, and, and different things. You've got to call the national ministries and make sure their people are praying for you. No. I mean, again, I'm not saying that's bad that they're praying. They're, that's good. But I don't want to live dependent upon that. There is a level of faith. This is one of those things that's even been... It's even been criticized by some. But there is a level of faith where you believe that your belief can get it. 
In other words, another way to say it is you believe that God hears you when you pray. It's not uncommon, and it's probably true in many of us, probably true in me, that sometimes we have faith in someone else's ability to pray. And that is faith. That is, to a degree, faith in God. We believe God will hear them. There's no doubt there are certain people that I have much respect for, and I think, if they pray for me, that would be really good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But ultimately, I want to get to where I have faith that God will hear me. That my prayers carry weight before Him. I want to have faith, now watch, in my own words. Isn't that what Jesus taught us in Mark eleven twenty three? If you'll believe what you say, you'll have whatever you say. So in other words, that's faith in our own words. Now, we know that we're not the power source and it's not just self-confidence. It is confidence in God that what He said about me and my words is true. But ultimately, I, I can exercise myself, develop myself to where I believe that if I speak to the mountain, it knows me. <laughs> that mountain gets nervous when I start talking. <laughs> Demons get nervous when I'm around. Because I know something. You might remember the story in Acts 19 about the seven sons of Sceva. And... Uh, uh, there were these Jewish exorcists, <laughs> and they were endeavoring to cast demons out. But they didn't have the goods, so they mimicked what others did. And they said to, the, they said to them, we adjure thee, <laughs> come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. In other words, they didn't know Jesus. They, didn't know, they said, come out, you know, the way he does it. And the demons in that situation, you know, the story, they said, Paul, we know him. And Jesus, of course we know him. Who are you? We don't know who you are. And they manifested in these people and beat the snot out of them, took their clothes off and beat them up, and they ran out. They got in trouble because they didn't know what they had. We've got to know what we have. We've got to know that Jesus is with us. <laughs> that God will back our words up. Amen. So not Jesus whom, you know, so-and-so pray. You know, uh, you know what I'm saying? Almost like our faith is completely in someone else's relationship with God. But no faith in our own relationship with God. God will hear you. He will answer you just as much as the greatest faith giant or the greatest figure in, in history that has accomplished much for God or anyone you could name. We could, we could call out names of people who are very well known because they've been mightily used of God. But you know what? Our standing with God is exactly the same as that person. If I'm in Christ, God hears my prayer just as much as theirs. It's just sometimes people have developed themselves enough in their relationship with God, their knowledge of the Word, that they know that God hears them. They expect God to talk back to them. They expect to get answers when they pray. And so they've developed that, and that has become normal to them. But if we don't, we tend to think, I need that person to pray for me. I need that person because God hears them. No, God hears you. All right, now Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Who should be strong? Well, understood subject, you. You, be strong in the Lord. Lord, I'm just weak. Be strong. Isn't that a command? <laughs> it's a, he's telling us what to do. Well, I don't feel strong. Be strong. But no. Let's obey the word. How am I going to obey the word? <laughs> he said, be strong. Must be up to me then. God would never tell me to do something I couldn't do. That would be unjust of him. He told me to be strong. 
but notice, in the Lord and the power of His might. So it's not just about a mental exercise, I just need to be self-disciplined and, and uh, just suck it up and be strong. No, my strength is in the Lord. So I am relying upon, leaning upon, drawing upon His strength for my life. Amen. So don't just say, I'm strong. Say, I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in you, Lord. Your strength is in me. You sustain, you lift, you empower, you enable me. That's how you obey that. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, now, now let me say this. This is, the, this is the word about us understanding how and actually doing what it takes to stand, to continue, to remain confident, to not cast our faith away, to not throw away our, our uh, cast away our confidence in Him when there, it's challenged, when things get tough, okay? That's the deal. That's what we're going for. That is not always just a decision that we make. It is a decision. It's not always just a decision where that's the only word we need. I just need to decide to continue to stay, to remain confident, or to give up and throw in the towel. No, we must do real practical things here in order to be able to make that decision. If I am exercising the right way, if I'm doing the right things, then I will be able to stand. Is it true, now this might sound like a trick question, so don't answer. Is it true that some people couldn't? Is it true that some people got to a place and they said, I I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't stand. I, I was not able to keep going. Okay. Normally, I'd say that, I'd ask that question, and the context would be, no, that's not true. In this context, it is. But why is it true? I believe the why is because the prerequisites that would enable them to make that stand were missing. It's not that everyone automatically can just swip a, flip a switch or slip a switch, (laughs) flip a switch, and boom, now I'm strong, I'm never going to quit, never going to doubt, never going to worry, never going to give up. No, it's have I put in place what enables that to take place. If I haven't, then it could very well be true that, man, I don't have the strength to do this. And you know, if you're in that situation, that's what the body of Christ is for. But you can't stay in that situation. You can't continue through your life always needing that. You know, I taught a series a while back called I Choose. And a lot of that was based on that foundation of we think we didn't choose what we're experiencing. (laughs) And it's kind of a tough statement because we think, no, I didn't choose this. But oftentimes, we chose things that produced that. We made other little decisions along the way, and here we are, bam, here it is. And I didn't choose it, and it's not the will of God, but, you know, I I made preparation for it. What do you say we make preparation for success? We do the little things necessary so when it is tough, man, it's not that tough now. And that's what he said here in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In other words, if I don't have on the whole armor of God, I may find myself incapable of standing against the wiles of the devil. Those strategies, those, uh, his pressure on you to do the wrong thing, to make the wrong decision, to yield to temptation, to cave in the midst of trouble. Okay? So no armor, no ability. Armor, ability, I can, I can stand. And obviously we can see the parallel if you, in the way that they fought wars back then. You go, go out there running in your gym shorts, <laughs> you're at high risk. But if you've, you're armored from head to toe and you've got weapons and you've got the things, then you have 
uh, the inability to survive and, and, and to win. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual, a, a, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we know our, that our attacks are not just, sometimes we think we just, we're just dealing with this person who's mean or ugly and, and not kind. But biblically speaking, um, there, are, there are forces behind people that the devil will use carnal people. Uh, he'll even use carnal Christians, immature Christians, to attack others. And of course he uses the world, the sons of disobedience, as the Scripture calls them. And he will use people against you. Just like how we studied recently about Paul, he had that messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Well, how did that happen? It was people that would get stirred up. You know, you remember that that, that, that time we, we read about recently again how he was preaching in one city and at one point they wanted, to, they called him, or they called his, uh, was it Barnabas? They called him Zeus and, and they gave Paul another name, one of their Greek gods and, and they started bringing their animals in. How about to, they're going to sacrifice because the gods have come down. You know, and they're like, no, don't do that. And they could, they could, he said some things and they could hardly keep them back from sacrificing and making them gods. And a few verses later, they all, they, they, the same people stoned him. <laughs> what is that? Man, it's the devil stirring people up. The devil will stir people up against you too. But if we got the whole armor of God, we'll be able to stand. And so we see that, verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, having done all to stand. Verse 14, Stand therefore, having your having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's just do a quick summary of some of these. Because this can I have a whole teaching on this. actually goes into great detail. But notice how he says, this is what's necessary for us to stand. And when we've done everything to stand, he said, stand like this. Stand like this. Stand with your waist. Um, let me find my spot again. Having girded your waist with truth. Okay, now what he's, ta- what he's describing here basically is the Roman soldier and how they would have, army, have armor on them to protect them. And he talked about the waist being girded with truth. I understand from some studies I've done that, that the, the belt, the belt of truth was something that held all the rest of the armor together. And so what's very important, if I'm going to be ready and able to stand when things get tough, I've got to know what's right and what's wrong. I've got to have truth. If I don't have truth, according to this, I will not be able to stand in the evil day. This is why I I place a high value for myself as an individual and for our church as a whole. High value. High value on truth. I know a lot of people in our world today think everything's subjective, especially when it comes to the Bible. They think, well, everybody has an opinion. Everybody has their own interpretation. Well, a lot of interpretations, that's true, but the reality is some are wrong. Some are wrong. And I'm not claiming to be right about everything, but I am saying I value truth. And if I know I'm wrong, I'm changing. If I believe something wrong, I don't care how long I believed it. I don't care if I've, uh, how many sermons I have on it. <laughs> Record it <laughs> out there for all to see. I'm changing. If I know it, I'm gonna, I'll tell you about it. I don't think that's true anymore. You know what I'm saying? We all need to have that heart of commitment to truth. Because if I'm believing something that's wrong, a lie, I will not be able to stand. And I'm convinced that one of the key components in a person falling in any area, falling short, not receiving victory, not standing in in the test or the temptations that come to their lives, they're believing something wrong. There is some degree of deception. The funny thing about deception is when you're deceived, you don't know you are. That's what makes that a challenge. (laughs) Right? Otherwise, we'd get rid of it right away, wouldn't we? But deception is a real and genuine, and I would say a primary strategy of the enemy. 
Because Jesus whipped him in his own backyard and took away his authority and his right to rule and reign over mankind, now his big deal is he wants to deceive people. He wants to keep the knowledge of what we have in Christ, who we are in Christ, what we can do in Christ. He wants to keep that knowledge away from the children of God. And so you've got these powerful, anointed, authorized, (laughs) uh, spirit-filled children of God all around the world doing nothing, getting attacked and saying, God, what's the matter? And if he can keep us ignorant or believing, I mean, one of the biggest deals is believing that God's behind our problems. How many know that kind of messes up your your defense? You're going to fight against that, but what if it's God? And again, you know, so much can be said about this, but we ought to always be in a mode of seeking to understand and walk in truth. That what that's primary, primary New Testament praying, is praying about understanding. Read Ephesians one, read Colossians, different prayers. It's the prayers, the New Testament prayers are primarily about us knowing what Jesus has done for us. And this is this should be continued by all of us all throughout our Christian lives. Truth. What if I don't know truth? I'm going to have a tough, tough time. You better get around another believer quick. Someone who does know truth. So they can quick grab onto you and hold you up until you can understand. Amen. Okay. And so, where are we at? <laughs> 15. What verse? All right, 14. Stand there for having your girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. All right, breastplate, notice what it's called, of righteousness. If, real simple, if I know who I am in Christ, as far as the Bible tells me that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. If I know that I am right with God, not just am I right with God, If I know that I'm right with God, if I know I have right standing, righteousness with God, then that protects me from the enemy. But if I feel like a good for nothing, if I feel like I am a sinner, I am a bad person, then condemnation sets in. Condemnation will eat your lunch. You will never be able to continually stand in the evil day if you feel like a scumbag. If you feel like you are just a bad person. Say, but I am a bad person. (laughs) Then you should get saved. You should give your life to Jesus. He will come in and change you and cleanse you and wash you and straighten you up. And then if you'll put on that breastplate of righteousness, what does that mean? That doesn't mean you become righteous. It's being aware of it. It's knowing your place and your standing with God. When you know that, man, your vital organs are protected. You've got that breastplate. Come on now. This is vital. And again, I think this is a strategy of the enemy. I really believe it's true. Listen, everyone, every right-hearted Christian is they want their beliefs to be founded upon Scripture. But the devil knows the Scriptures too. He quoted them to Jesus. And it's very possible. And it happens. Take a verse here, take a verse here, take a half of Scripture over here and kind of meld it into something. That's not true. That's not right. Many believers call themselves regularly. We're all sinners saved by grace. But that's not the breastplate of righteousness. That's the breastplate of sin. That's the breastplate of condemnation. We must know that we've been changed. That God has made us right. God God the Father sees you through Jesus. And through the finished work of His Son. And therefore, my sin was imputed to Him on the cross. And His righteousness was imputed to me. His righteousness has been placed in my account. So you look up my account, you will not find anything wrong. 
you look up your account in heaven, there will be no sin in it. I mean, you'll you'll think, we must have got the wrong account here. This looks like Jesus' account. This must be describing Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Amen. And so we put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's see. Uh, Verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so again, talking talking about shoes here. What's, ne- what's necessary w- with our shoes? Preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things you can see there, but gospel is good news. You know, what, what is the good news? It is really that we have peace with God. You know, it, it is a gospel of peace. God's not angry with us. He's not opposed to us. He's not at war with us. He's not, you know, in, he's not in, in judgment mode against us. No, but peace has been made between God and all of mankind. And when we access it and we know this, man, it sets us free uh, to walk in victory. Praise God. One of the biggest troubles, I kind of mentioned it earlier accidentally, but is people think that God is against them. God's not against you. It's not. He's not. You know, I think of that old story where the two brothers had the two brothers. One of them was really successful. Everything he put his hand to seemed to work, and uh, and uh, he would uh, he went into business and just big time success. Everything worked, and uh, and his brother every he tried to he tried to open a business and it failed. He tried to work for somebody else and that didn't work, and he just kept falling all over himself and nothing was working. And finally, his brother got was tired of the corporate world. He said, "I'm just going to go out and get a farm." And he so he started a farm. Pretty soon, it was just a huge, huge, massive thing, and 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 it was just making money hand over fist. And he's just very successful. His brother looked at that and said, "I can do that. I can be a farmer." And he got a, so he got himself a little farm. And he was out on his tractor one day, and and all of a sudden it starts raining, and he's on this kind of a slide, side of a little hill there, and and it starts raining, and pouring down rain. It gets muddy, and his tractor slips, and and and, and it starts sliding, 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 and then it tips over. And he's laying under there halfway pinned under the tractor. And he's just like, man. He's like, uh, God, why doesn't this nothing, why doesn't it ever work out for me? And uh, he heard God speak from heaven. And the Lord said, there's just something about you I don't like. <laughs> so that's cruel. That is mean. <laughs> well... <laughs> Now, truth is, that's the furthest thing from the truth. God doesn't not like you. <laughs> and never, never am I struggling, never am I uh, not succeeding in life because God is somehow against me. And what do I need to do? Man, I need to believe that. I need to believe that He's for me. I need to believe that He's, that he's thrilled and, su- and happy when I'm successful, when I do well. You know, people say, why were we created? Why did God even make us? The book of Revelation says it was for His pleasure. You know, some translations just say, in accordance with His will. Why did God make us? He wanted to. There was something about you, something about me, that God thought about, and it brought Him pleasure. He thought, yeah, I like this. I like them. I want to bless them. I want to see them make a success of life. I want to see them do great things. There's something about your life that gives God warm fuzzies. It really does. So God's on your side. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, we're just just cruising along here. (laughs) Uh, Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Again, we're talking about how can I sustain myself or how can I allow God to hold me up where I won't cast away my confidence, where I won't quit and give up in in tough times. I've got to have a shield. I've got to have a shield of faith. You know, I know some people in our world today, they mock the idea of, of, uh, you know, whether your faith is going to, give you victory or keep you in defeat, but it's absolutely the truth. I mean, if you don't have a shield, then whatever the devil throws at you is going to hit you. 
right? But if you've got a shield, you can handle this. What is it? It's a shield of faith. Faith believes what it doesn't see. Faith is, convict, is a conviction based upon hearing. It is, it is, it is uh, convinced that God's word is true even though it doesn't see the reality of it yet. And so faith speaks different than those who live by, by, the, by sight, by the physical senses. Faith will make decisions based upon the word of God being true, not by every natural thing what their five physical senses tell them. Faith will, will say things that seem out there. Faith will look at other people and tell them something that they're not able to back up by themselves, knowing that God will back them up. Faith will lead people to do things like lay hands on the sick and expect a miracle. No pill, no knife, no radiation, hands say things and expect change. Faith lives a different way. Amen. Faith will speak to mountains. Well, what if I don't know how to do that? You better find someone who does until you learn how. Truth. Otherwise, you'll just suffer more hardships. Those things will last longer. He said this for a reason. Stand with this armor. If you don't have the armor, you can't stand. If I don't know how to live by faith, that's going to severely hamper my life. I think it's one of the primary things that all believers need to learn after they get saved. We need to learn to walk in love. We need to learn to hear from God, to be led by the Spirit. We need to learn to live by faith. That means we find it in the Word, and we say, that's good enough for me. I'm doing it. What are you doing with your life? Whatever God tells me to do. Well, what if you can't? I can. I can because I believe that His Word empowers me. Amen. And so it will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Well, I guess we've got to stop right there. Take the helmet of salvation. What do you mean a helmet? Well, obviously the helmet's protecting the head. All right. Say so we're protecting our, our head? I mean, what's that? It, isn't it, now watch, isn't it technically our spirits that are saved? When we accept Jesus, the spirit man is the part of us that's born again. Not the head. The head doesn't get saved. <laughs> right? So what, what all this is talking about, in none of these is he saying get saved. Not the breastplate of righteousness, not the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not, none of this is talking about you getting right with God. This, there's an assumption here made that you're already right with God. You've already been raised with Christ, and that's what the book talks about earlier. We're talking to believers. So the helmet of salvation is not get saved. You know what it is? It's think saved. It's one thing to be saved, one thing to have your spirit born again, to, to be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's another thing to know it. And this is where we've got to be convinced of and know of our, our, our place with God, that our sins have been washed away. We have salvation in our brains. We have salvation in our mentality. I think saved. Right. Again, not enough just to be saved. That will get you to heaven. But if you want to stand in the midst of whatever is going on, got to have the knowledge of God in our head. The continual education of God's Word. James called it the saving of the soul. The saving of the soul. That's not talking about the born-again spirit. That's talking about the renewing of our minds. All right? I get it through the new birth, and then my mind is enlightened to the point where I'm living out my salvation. Amen. And then he went on to say, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's, that, that's our offensive weapon. Right? He said, you've got to learn the Word. You've got to learn how to use it. You've got to learn how to throw your sword. You've got to learn how to use that offensive weapon. Again, what? To come against and to use to attack the works of darkness. Come on now. Let's not be backing up. Let's not be running away. Armor's on the front. Let's go forward. In Jesus' name. And, and keep the word of God in your mouth. 
That's how Jesus defeated the enemy when he was tempted in the wilderness. He used the word of God. He put the word of God in his mouth and he was able to overcome and defeat the enemy. It's the same way you and I are going to win. Keep talking the word. Keep talking the word. When people around you talk about what you can't do and all the, the nastiness and the junk that's going around, you talk the word. Keep speaking 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 the word. Hebrews, in Hebrews it says, hold fast to your confession of faith. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. Keep speaking the word. It's the word of God in your mouth and you'll wield it like a sword. Amen. Praise God. He went on to say, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so keep your prayer life going. What does he tell us? He said, this is how you stand. Man, you got these things in place. You will be able to stand against all the wiles of the wicked one. And so don't think of it in any regard as a works type of approach. Oh, I forgot to put on my breastplate today. It's not a matter of physically putting something on. I had an instructor in Bible school years ago, and he gave us this little thing. And he said, while you're in this class, you have to do this every morning. And we had to get out of bed and say, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the helmet of salvation and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and all, this, all this kind of stuff. And I don't think that's actu- actually what the Scripture is saying here. It can be a good reminder if you use it that way. But all these things just talks about revelation. When I know what I have, when I know that I'm saved, when I know that I'm righteous, when I know uh, uh, the Word of God and so forth, when I know these things, then my armor is on. When I'm walking, then my armor is on. And then devil, take your best shot. I'm not going anywhere. You know, like those soldiers in England. I'm sure glad I'm not one of those, but, <laughs> but there's an element of our stance when we're standing on the Word. It's not about emotion right now. It's not about feeling. It's, not, it's just about, I'm just not moving off of my stance from, of God's Word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you tonight. You're helping us to overcome, to gain victory in every area of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for enabling us to stand. We are strengthened. We are established. Lord, we give you all the glory and honor, all the praise that is due your name. You are wonderful and you are good. You are faithful, kind, and just. We praise you and honor you. And thank you once again for helping us through your word, teaching us so that we'll know how to live long and and remain faithful, faithful to you all of our days. The devil's trying to get us off track. The devil's trying to throw a wrinkle into our lives. But, Lord, we're not going to move. We're going to stay with you. We're going to walk with you all of our days. Lord, for this we give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Praise God. The Lord is good.